Well, I think I think Taylor made may have overplayed their hand a little bit with this because there's all these different teases coming out, and it's like I don't know if this is as big of a deal as they're making it out to be. All right, everybody, how you living? No putts given. It's Valentine's Day, and people are gonna think that as a gift to everybody, we kicked Tony off of No Putts Given, but. That's not the case. Yes, love, love for Tony. But in place of Tony, I'm bringing in a couple heavy hitters. Connor is head of many things, editorial, soft goods, all those kind of things. And uh, Sean, resident Blue Jays fan, even though he lives in Nashville, but is a Blue Jays fan. Uh is writing some of the most hated articles on my golf right now. That's your, that's, that's kind of the job. So welcome boys. Thanks for being here. It's nice to have everybody. Lots going on, but we're going to start with you, Connor. Give me something. What are you doing in this world? What, tell me a little bit about, because people may not know you. They may not, you know, uh, other than, you know, copious shots of your, your ankles on the website mm. and things like that. They may not know who you are. Yeah, let's do it, man. I mean, start, let's start with a fun fact. That's how we always start. Uh, I'm an identical triplet, so that's cool. You don't get that every day. I, I will say they have the same cankles as I do, you know? So if we were to switch, it'd still look about the same. So, I, you know, no luck there. It is what it is. It's just genetics. Um, but yeah, so I've been with my golf spy for a year now. Uh, I manage all our writers as the managing editor, and then I do everything soft goods, big, big shoe guy. So spend as much time as I can with the shoes, just like you, Chris. What's, uh, yeah, what's popping in the shoe world right now? I saw a couple articles this week, maybe even something else that's coming up about a really potentially comfortable shoe, but what dropped a couple, well, it'll be a couple days ago now. What dropped on Monday? What was that all about? On Monday, man. I mean, we got a few things. Like, right now, there's a big collab with FootJoy and Metalwood. Um, so, Metalwood is a smaller, lesser-known, maybe under-the-radar, you would say, apparel company. They've done a collab with FootJoy before. You may have seen the ones with the snakeskin. Mm. Um, I think Cam Young's been wearing them before. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're coming out with a new collection called The Executive. They did a cool little photo shoot in suits and ties, like, kind of office vibes. It's a little dressier, got some crocodile skin. It's, you know, it's it's kind of more bougie. Uh, that's the nickname I get now. I get called bougie all the time. So if there was a bougie golf shoe, it would be the new Metal with Foot Joy um, field. All right. All um, right. Yeah. So that that's really good. I mean, yeah, we do have some stuff coming out from brands like Under Armour that's really exciting. Um, some other things coming down the pipe. Shoe, shoes are really kicking right now. So there'll, there'll be some stuff in the coming weeks that I'm really excited about. What do you think are the biggest mistakes that golfers like you, we test the shoes, right? So, and there's more involved in testing shoes than people may, you know, may kind of realize or understand. But what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes golfers make when looking to purchase a new shoe? Well, I will tell you the number one, it's got to be the number one is getting the wrong size, right? If, if all else fails and if I were to leave you with one piece of wisdom, it would always be to try something on in store first if you can. Or, you know, if, if you're online, somewhere with a generous return policy so you can try it on before you're committed to it. Um, the issue is the sizing's just inconsistent from brand to brand. Even within 
brands themselves. You'll have a Puma shoe that fits true to size and then another model that fits a half size small. Um, so that's gotta be the biggest thing because finding a one-to-one -one fit, just like a glove, right? We'd say the same thing about a glove is going to be key to getting the most out of a golf shoe. I found that even like the same model from year to year can vary. Like mm -hmm. for example, like I've, I'm typically an 11 and a half in foot joy. They tend to run for me. You know, I wear 12 to 12 and a half in most other shoes tend to wear 11 and a half in foot joys, but I've even found even from the same model from year to year, it's not always, not always exactly the same. What, what do you attribute that to? A lot of it can be material construction, right? If you're using a leather versus synthetic, it'll stretch and grow in different ways as you wear it more. Um, and the other would probably just be like the last, if, if they've switched up the last year to year of what they're building that midsole on, that, that could have some variance too. I mean, even insole thickness, you know, some shoes have a thicker insole and that that's going to, you're going to lose space that way. It's why Echo makes their insoles removable to where if you remove it, there's like still a normal footbed underneath. So if you want okay. extra width, you, you don't, versus most other brands, you remove the insole, there's no more cushion underneath. There's just nothing you're on, you're standing on basically glue. Um, so yeah, that, those would be probably the three things that could contribute to fitting different year to year. Interesting. What, what else is going on? What do we, like when we talk soft goods things, what, what gets you excited? in the soft goods world? Like, do you just find yourself jumping up and down in the morning when you get a, you thinking about testing certain things? Like what, what is that for you? Oh man, that's a tough question. I mean, shoes is the number one for me always. That's what, that's what I always say. Right. So anytime I get a new box in the door with a pair of shoes, I'm, I'm out the door immediately at the range or on the course rocking them. Um, other than that though, man, there's a lot of exciting stuff. We're, I mean, we're doing a lot more in apparel now as, as some of you guys have probably noticed that a lot more apparel content coming out because there are a lot of apparel brands that, you know, deserve some cred that, and there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff being done in that space, which can seem a little bit uh, crowded because it is, mm -hmm. but there's some small, some smaller brands making waves and some of the bigger brands are continuing to do some really cool stuff in apparel. All right. Let's talk about the, so yeah, question with that, with the apparel stuff and some of the shoe stuff, quick question. If you had to buy one pair of shoes, if you had to wear one pair of shoes or I should say this, one brand, so one company, you had to go all in today, rest of your golfing career. What brand is that? Mm, yeah, my wife actually asked me this this weekend, uh, and the answer probably changes month to month, but right now it's Adidas. I think for my money, Adidas is doing the most with shoes as far as you know, putting time and effort into making good golf shoes and different golf shoes, and their, and their apparel has always been killer for me. So Adidas is who I'm going with right now. Hmm. All right. All right, I can appreciate that. Sunday Red. Mm. Sunday Red. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, so we don't know anything official yet. Um, what we do know, or at least what we can reasonably surmise and hypothesize, is that TaylorMade, as Tony indicated correctly probably three or four weeks ago, um, when the whole Nike thing was falling apart, where it was 26, 27 years the Tiger had been with Nike, half a billion dollars, uh, I think, in just contractual payments to Tiger over those nearly three decades, whatever. It's a lot of cheese. Uh, that was falling apart. There was going to be something else in place. This appears to be what that is. 
we can't tell you anything about it because one, we don't have all the details yet. So instead of that, we're going to play a little game called Hypothesize. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping it is? Oh, man. Well, my first hope would be that the logo changes a little bit from what we've seen leaked out there so far and what's been in the trademark office. Um, I yeah. can't... <laughs> we'll put up a screenshot of that logo. My fir- What was your first thought when you saw the logo? So I had two. It was Tiger Balm. You know, it's like that med- medicated ointment you put on for your shoulders and sore muscles or whatever. And Slozenger was the other one. Interesting. Yeah, my my uh, that's fair. I think my first thought was finger paint. Mm. Like I thought like I it was like an elementary school, like something my kids, you know, like we have, maybe you have these in, in your house or you did growing up, like, you know, your parents would hang all of your paintings and things. And it was like, Oh, you know, look, everybody learned how to draw a horse today. And you know, da, 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 da. And it looked like it was learn how to maybe draw a tiger day at in an elementary school art room and i i mean I, I guess maybe maybe there's people know more about logos than i do obviously we're sitting here talking about it so it's doing something but i didn't resonate with it in a way that made me go hmm that feels i mean if this is higher end apparel and stuff like that i i don't know it didn't yeah, it didn't necessarily. Sean, what do you think about that? You're kind of, you know, you wrote this article, at least the kind of the first pontification of what it might be. What, what was your thought on that? My first thought is like tigers are so cool. There's so many different other options to make like a cool logo out of a tiger. Like it's not like they were, were working with nothing. Like they, they have a really cool animal to start with. Like we have the history of like Frank and like all these other logos that he's done that I've, I've liked. So it's kind of like, why are they going in this direction and being like so uh, like minimalist with this? Why not just like go out and do something like really cool and more like tiger like? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So I, I guess since it's both of you are in the soft goods space and, and not just soft goods but tour space as well, what are you guys hoping it is when this gets announced again, whether it's later in the day, money or, or, or whatever the case is? What do you think, like? We don't know what it's going to be. But what do you really want it to be, Connor? Let's start with you. What What are you hoping this thing looks like? It's tough because honestly, like my first my first thoughts, without knowing a whole lot, is like I don't know how successful it's going to be, so I'm very skeptical to start. Um, and I don't I don't know that he has the same pull that he has in the past. So for me, I think the hope, and I think what Taylor made hopes right now is just to get apparel off the ground. Right. If you go on Taylor May's website right now, who who we assume is, you know, the, they, they filed these trademarks, who we assume is going to be putting together this apparel for Tiger Woods. Um, other than a few T-shirts with their logo on it, they, they're doing stuff with G4 or Zero Friction. You know, it's never their own thing. Right. Right. And so this is a chance for them to, you know, maybe prove their chops in the apparel space, get a little piece of that pie that I mentioned is just getting more crowded. Right? How do they how do they capture that? How do they gravitate? You know, get people to gravitate towards their brand. And if if signing Tiger is a way to do that, then you know, I, I guess we'll see. I, I don't know that I personally think it is. Um, so yeah, but I hope we get some cool you know cool shirts. I hope the logo changes a little bit. But I, I don't know how hyped I am to 
you know, get a yellow shirt that's the Sunday red brand. I mean, are, are we color box too? Do we got to stick with all red for the rest of eternity too? Right. I mean, there's so many, I don't know. Many, so many questions. Many shades of red. It is Valentine's day today when this airs. So, you know, from, from the pinks to the red to garnet university, red, there are many, many different shades sure. of red. Sean, what are you hoping that this thing is? Sunday red. What do you hope this is? Well, I think I think Taylor made may have overplayed their hand a little bit with this because there's all these different teases coming out, and it's like I don't know if this is as big of a deal as they're making it out to be. But I'll I'll say this: I think maybe like some more flexibility. Um, I think I saw a stat that Tiger has only not worn red three times in his entire career on Sunday, so maybe like the Sunday red is going to have like different variations that we haven't seen other than just like the solid crimson that he's worn in the past. I don't know if that's like a, a take that people would disagree with, but I, I would kind of like him to see, I'd like to see him go like with different variations of that. Maybe I don't, I don't know. My, uh, <clears throat> one of my daughters brought up the point that, you know, when Victoria's Secret, whatever came out with pink as a brand, not everything was pink. It was, it was very confusing to me initially. I, 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 I is, you know, not, not very linear in like, that's a blue sweatshirt that says pink on it. Like this is, what are we even doing here? And now you got white fox and things and whatever. You're all over the place. So, I yeah, I I mean, I hear you. I'm I'm hoping that you know, for tailor made sake, it's something that's really cool. That it's not, and that's probably such a a lame word to use. But when you stop and go, oh damn, that's really cool. Like I would want to buy one of those shirts or see it or try it or whatever because you know we see this and, and you know, I'm certainly this way with shoes, but if it's like a Jordan brand golf shoe, I will at least stop and look at it and go, okay, is this something I want? You know, where haven't really had that with tiger. You have with some of the shoes a little bit, but you know, he transitioned to foot joy more or less on his own uh, while still under contract with Nike a year ago, year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever it was. And there wasn't really anything identifiable then. Right, I mean, everybody that was wearing Tiger shoes or gear stuff was—it it was Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> you know. It was—it was somebody else. So I'm hoping for the people that are big Tiger fans that there's some kind of direct tie-in that isn't just like, okay, it's this logo, it's this guy, but like a really obvious, cool tie-in where you're like, oh, dang, that looks awesome. I want to have one of those. Now, whether mm-hmm. that's going to happen or not. I don't know. I don't know if it's more likely in the shoe part or, you know, again, who knows if it's like a full suite of products or what, but um, I guess we're going to see what, what else, what are your other thoughts on this? Cause I know Sean, you wrote a little bit about too, like where some of these people were coming from, I think, you know, that were joining these efforts and trying to, get this off of the ground it isn't like all right we just hired a bunch of first year you know designers uh out of this school and that school whatever these are some pretty heavy hitters within the industry right yeah well i was going to mention one of our sources said that an under armor uh someone who's developing under armor is a you know a shoe dog through and through and is a part of this so i think we're going to see a wide range of products that was what the patent said as well there's going to be a wide range of different products available it's not just going to be you know like polos and stuff like that so there's going to be a lot of different things 
to, to look for. And I, I was going to mention as well the the TW logo. I don't know, Connor. I mean, that to me, that's like an iconic logo. Mm -hmm. I don't really know whether he still has full control over that or where that's going to show up or not. But I'm interested to see like how what what they do, what they do with that TW logo. Yeah, I mean, my understanding was that it was his logo. Based on, I mean, I don't know a whole lot of the legal stuff there, but I, my hope was kind of like go back to that logo and use the tiger as a secondary logo, right? I was like, please just like, let's get, that can be the secondary that makes an appearance on a sleeve or something. But I mean, up front and center, you're going to need something iconic like the, like the TW. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if Sunday red being a collection or something within a TW line mm -hmm. or something, I mean, maybe this is crazy. I would love to see red shoes. I think that would be awesome. Like a Sunday red, outfit where you know you could mix and match and do different things but you could pair you know red pants with red shoes and a black top or something or different things at, at different times i just think red shoes would be phenomenal mm -hmm. and I, I don't i don't think the shoes is too much of a stretch for tailor-made for sunday red i mean you think about tiger switching to foot joy like he switched to foot joy because he needed stability i mean that's the main thing if as long as they can produce a shoe that's going to be stable for him then it's, it's going to work. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to require tigers, not like asking for, you know, the, the moon and stars with a golf shoe. He's right. asking for something that he can swing comfortably in and not feel like he's going to, you know, re-injure himself. There's a template too, for it. Like you said, it's, mm -hmm. that's why it was always so baffling to me. Like he's sitting there wearing these foot joy shoes and giving foot joy all this publicity and whatever. It's like, how are you either unable or unwilling to, build that type of a shoe and i don't get me wrong i love foot joy shoes i wear them all the time but i didn't necessarily ever get a sense there's something like magical about them that you know nike being the footwear behemoth that it is you know couldn't reasonably recreate so i guess that'll be something especially if they have somebody coming over from under armor and obviously under armor has gone through the roof in terms of quality and making a golf specific shoe the early days of under armor i'm sure they wouldn't want to necessarily rehash a lot of those in my opinion the shoes were stiff horribly uncomfortable and not really fun to walk in which which aren't really qualities you want in a golf shoe and if you compare that to what they have now and are coming out with this year and connor you've had a preview of some of this as well safe to say those things are well in the past right Oh yeah, they're they're putting in the effort to make a legit shoe. It's it's something that you know right now, like people like Nike just aren't aren't really doing right. It's brands focus too much on the storytelling and the logos and the colors, and they don't yep. focus so much on making the shoe a good performing shoe. And yep. I think Under Armour right now put a lot of effort, you know, not to, not to go off on Under Armour and get away from Tiger Woods, but yeah, it, I mean it's right. Like Nike Nike has has the wherewithal to have put out a shoe. Mm -hmm. that you could have worn, um, which in my mind begs the question, and this is another can of worms, is I don't know that Nike is necessarily too upset about losing him. I mean, did, did Nike lose Tiger or did Nike say, we don't want Tiger, is, is the question. Right. Who broke up with whom? Mm -hmm. Because think about it this way. He's, he's, he signed his initial contract in 96, and then he had three different extensions, 2001, 2006, 2013. That's like three opportunities to give him a lifetime deal like they have with LeBron, like they have with Kevin Durant recently, Cristiano Ronaldo, right? So if they really want a Tiger for life, they, I think they would have, you know, nailed him down at the height of his fame in, you know, the 2000s, 2010s. 
Um, but I mean, that, what are you guys' thoughts? How do you feel about that? Well, that kind of begs the question of Nike's future in golf period, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like Jason Day leaving from Albon, and you wonder about what some of these other guys, uh, Nike athletes, are going to be doing as well. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like they're not as committed to the golf space overall as they they have been in the past. Obviously, they left the hard goods business in 2016, and um, but it doesn't seem like they're – yeah, it, it would make sense that – Tiger would get a lifetime contract with them if they were all in on golf, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure they are. Right. Like Beyonce, man, you know, like it should have put a ring on it and they didn't, yeah. they didn't, they didn't take that opportunity. I agree with you. I think my personal opinion, um, and again, I'm not, I'm a shoe enthusiast. I love golf shoes. I'm an apparel enthusiast. I really, you know, I wouldn't say that's like the height of my knowledge or whatever, but in my personal opinion, um, you know, if, if I were to take Nike apparel and footwear as a stock, it's done nothing but go down in recent years. Like if I were just tracking it, I can't tell you the last time I wanted to buy a pair of Nike golf, anything, you know, where I looked and said, Ooh, that is clearly better than something else on the market, even to rotate through as like, Ooh, I want some of these, but like, Last year, uh, I got turned on to painter shoes, and I got one pair of those. I was like, man, there's something really cool about these, whatever I wanted to dig in and, and learn more about. I, I haven't felt that way about any Nike apparel or footwear product in, I don't know. I, I can't even tell you how long. So I, I wouldn't be surprised in a year if we're sitting here and Nike's totally out of the, you know, other than maybe a little collection here or something there. Maybe they do like a black label thing or something for, you know, big box retailer or Malbon just keeps buying their clothes and putting their logo on it or calls it a collab and does that or something. I don't know. That's, I think that's about it, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And some of these, uh, some of these smaller brands, you know, like the Lululemons signing like a guy like Min Min Mooley, like I think they're going to take up a lot of these players who maybe are at Nike Currently, I think that could be a, a trend that we see the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the you look at the, the inside of every Nike shoe, and you know, for the most part, always said like built to the exact specifications of a championship athlete. And if they lose that luster, that aura of like the best in the world wear Nike, and they start to say the best in the world wear Lululemon, right, or or Adidas or Under Armour, then yeah, like the, the, the stock, like you said, Chris, is only going to continue to go down. It doesn't have that same pull anymore, I think, to athletes. Now the Jordan line, Jordan line is completely different, right? That's yeah. the, right now, right now for golf, Nike's being bolstered by Jordan. And I think that's what's keeping them afloat. Yeah, different, and I, you know, to the degree that people even associate that with Nike as a positive for for that particular brand. But as far as mainline Jordan stuff, like, eh, we'll see. All right, last question for you, Connor. We'll get you out of here on this one today. Sunday red again, one to 10, one being no confidence, 10 being highly confident in one year from now, if TaylorMade were being honest and they look at all their success metrics, how successful do you think it will be? Uh, I'm going five. I'm, I'm not too, too high. I think aside. that's fantastic. <laughs> they're, they're, it's going to be alive. It's still going to be a thing. I don't know that it's going to have the, the type of impact they're hoping for. It, it'll be, you know, five, if we're saying five is a median, it, it'll be average. 
it's not going to be bad. It's not going to be good. Okay. So not a raging success that maybe they would hope it would be, but viable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Connor, thank you for being with us. Thanks for sharing some of your time with us. Sean and I, we're going to dig into some tour stuff. Sean, can you please help me fix network TV coverage for golf tournaments? You wrote an article, published it on Wednesday. I'm sorry, published on Monday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Let's set it up with this. What's the problem? What What is the deal? People are mad. They're They're angry. They're just you know, yelling and screaming and, and all these kinds of things. Why? What's the deal? I mean, this has been a debate that goes on for like past four or five years in particular, but to, just to kind of set it up, golf is very hard to broadcast, right? Other sports have one central focus. The action starts and stops. There's a natural flow. You think of basketball, football, there's one ball in play, right? And that's the entire thing. Golf just keeps going on at all times, right? And the more golfers you want to cover in a full field is what, 156 guys, Mm -hmm. the more expensive it gets. And the broadcast partners, they are paying a lot of money for the rights to broadcast golf. PGA Tour rights are 700 million almost in a year across CBS, NBC, ESPN, everything. So, you know, they they have to cram a lot of commercials into a very tight window to pay their bills. It's about 54 minutes worth of ads for three hours of a traditional broadcast window, which is a lot. You know, broadcasts get choppy, trying to catch up after all these ad breaks. They, you know, regularly lose track of guys. And, you know, like, Golf isn't a contact sport that is like super stimulating, right? Where viewers are like naturally locked in right. the entire time. Like you have to keep people engaged through like plot and storytelling and like constantly showing golf shots and adding a lot of context to those shots. Um, a normal golf broadcast just can't really do that when the commercial load is so heavy. So like a quick story about just the frustration around this. A couple of weeks ago, I'm watching the Pebble event yep and i wanted to watch jason day because i had him in a pool i have like a season-long pool and i had him in my pool i'm like all right it's a saturday i'm gonna sit down and watch some golf so he's on one of the featured groups on espn plus which is like the streaming i pay like 11 dollars a month for it you get a bunch of other sports as well yeah sure yeah it's a good product I, i i enjoy it i watch him for four holes he makes birdie on the first four holes i'm like i'm so engaged i'm an engaged viewer and then the stream goes off the air, right? Because the traditional broadcast is now on the air and there are rules around like what they can show on streaming while the main broadcast is going on. Right. So I go to the main broadcast and you can't, like Jason Day is not anywhere to be found. He's like, he's T6 in the tournament. He's playing well. He holds yeah. out a wedge shot for Eagle on number 11. We don't see a replay. We don't see it live. We don't see anything of that. And they eventually catch up with him. But I think I you know, fell asleep on my couch eventually. (laughs) And it just, yeah, that's the, that's like the push and pull of, of golf. You know, the frustration that golf fans have is you have all these commercials packed in. Mm -hmm. They, they don't really do a great job of coming back and then, you know, showing all the golf shots and then also keeping a cohesive plot through all this. Right. They just lose guys all the time. So um, even like the Ryder cup, U S open, 
just inundated with so many commercials. And I don't know, it's just, it's very hard to watch golf now, especially you have like YouTube, you have on demand golf, you have a lot of different options now. And the PGA tour, I feel, and a lot of other people feel is kind of falling behind. Yeah. So, I mean, the crux of it, right, is it's expensive. The network's you know, pay the PGA Tour X amount to, like you said, to broadcast it or the rights to broadcast it. They have to offset those costs, right? And so, hey, we're going to offset those costs largely by selling ads, advertising. Say, so we have to sell so many ads per hour in order to offset the cost in order to, in you know, in order to broadcast this. Plus, you know, there are things like maybe pay their crew and broadcast staff and, and all that kind of stuff. So why not, if the PGA Tour got this infusion of billions of dollars, could they just charge the networks less and say, hey, because of viewer experience, which people seem to really enjoy this not having commercials thing, we're going to charge you instead of, what you said is like $700 million or something like a that year. over yep. a year. For nine years. Yep. Okay, so $700 million a year for nine years. That's a lot of money. So that feels like, okay. But the other, op- like, y- you went through a couple other options that you think might make it better. We're not all skies falling, doomsday. This is, you know, they know that they have an issue. What were some of the other things that you proposed that you think might actually work? I think the main thing to keep in mind here is the players with this new infusion of cash, they have equity now in the tour. They are owners of this tour. And we've seen guys like Colin Morikawa and Max Homa say, hey, we need to really take more pride in this as a entertainment product. Morikawa mentioned that he turns on the golf and he sees three shots and then a commercial and he doesn't even watch. You know, so these guys, I think they have more more skin in the game to really uh, make a difference in terms of making this the most entertaining product as possible. I think there are a lot of ideas for how to, you know, fold more sponsored content into the actual broadcast itself while not being intrusive. Like you look at soccer as a model, soccer is able to incorporate a lot of advertising in a game that continues to run basically for like an hour and a half straight other than halftime. Um, I think there's a lot of different avenues they can go. There's a great sponsored content piece in, uh, CBS broadcast right now called the Aeon Risk Reward Challenge, where it kind of gives you a map of the entire hole and strokes gain for when people, you know, hit, hit into a certain bunker or hazard, like how much yeah. they lose versus how much they gain. Um, that's really good sponsored content. And there's so much more that could be done in that space. And then there's just so much more that could be done in just making the fan experience better. Uh, one thing I brought up was having a, like, you know, the NFL sounds of the game that they do, like the mic'd up portion they do, like after a week, you know, they have a a package of 20 minutes or whatever. It's, you know, guys on the sideline showing them talking to each other and everything. And it's really entertaining. Why not do that with player caddy conversations, mic them up, don't show it live because the players are very hesitant towards that. Sure. But show it later on, do a cut. You, you could take out all the private stuff and everything they don't want to be out there, but do a cut of all the different, all the different things. Just that'd be so much goodwill towards golf fans. And, and you could, you know, make that a part of the broadcast as well. Um, there's just so many different ways to make the broadcast like more compelling and kind of 
you know, limit the, the, the commercial load uh, in the process. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, you know, to what degree they listen to some of this feedback. Like I said, I think a lot of the, <clears throat> the problems are well established. The solutions, not so much. Um, because they said, I think it takes a measure of that creativity. You can have, as we've seen, I want to say Rolex maybe has done this. I know Callaway's done it where they basically sponsored an hour. Say the last hour or whatever is going to be commercial free, but that company needs to essentially overpay, right, to cover. So it's, it's cost aversive to have a company do that routinely and say, hey, you know, limited commercial interruptions or whatever it is for this hour, hour and a half of the broadcast, courtesy of our friends at, you know, whatever company. Um, I don't know that that's a good long-term solution. However, it is nice uh, to have that as an option, maybe. Um, But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And speaking of like fan engagement and things, the Waste Management Phoenix Open was last week. My question for you, Sean, is this. Do you think, so the, there was known, uh, Saturday, I think, reached a tipping point. I don't know. I don't want to say it, it reached a jump the shark point because I think it can come back. But it got out of control to the point that they had to limit alcohol sales. They had to limit, you know, shut down the number of people that were allowed to enter. Even people with valid tickets on that day weren't being allowed to enter variety of reasons should we have seen this coming and what can they do about it i think so i mean i think when you have a tournament where you market it as like hey come here and get hammered <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's this is kind of that they had ready for next year i think was come here and get hammered <laughs> yeah and, and then you see some of the videos from like billy horschel yelling at you know fans were yelling and backswings of PGA Tour players and guys like Billy Horschel, Zach Johnson are getting upset. You start to wonder, like, will this be a signature event in the future? Will uh, will the tour be maybe more protective of it? Will certain top guys not want to play in this tournament? Like we saw Bubba Watson for many years not want to play. And there are other guys like Rory has not wanted to play many times at Phoenix. Yep. Um, I think Zach it's... Johnson, did you see what he said? They, yeah. You know, saying, hey, I... I it's been out of control. Basically it's crossed the line every time I've been here and I've been on tour for whatever it was, 20, 21 years, but he chooses to come back. I think as purely as a business decision saying, Hey, it's a tournament. I think I can play well in. I can compete in it as a professional, as a competitor. I owe it to myself to set my schedule around tournaments that I feel like I can perform the best. in. so he comes back because of that, but not at all because he is okay with or is like, yeah, this is, I like that environment. I'm, I'm good with that. If anything, that's a huge detriment that's only overcome by the fact that he's a professional golfer that needs to make money. And this is a good opportunity for him to do that. Right. And I think, I think you'll see them maybe dial down the temperature a little bit in particular for Saturday. Cause a lot of the reports were that, you know, Sunday it's Super Bowl Sunday it kind of calms down a little bit. It's not such of the like frat party uh, environment on Sunday. It kind of calms down. Um, but I think one thing that's, that goes under the radar is there are a lot of tournaments that copied this, not to the extent 
but they did mini versions of this. Like I'm from South Florida in the Honda Classic, which it's not, it's not called the Honda Classic anymore. It's like the Cognizant Classic, but uh, they have a similar thing on the 17th hole at their tournament where it's just come and get drunk and yell at players and everything. It's just kind of interesting how the tour is going to manage this over time. Cause a lot of these tournaments now are marketed as come to this certain hole. Maybe it's not the entire tournament. Like Phoenix, there's like, there's several holes where it's crazy. It started um, with 16 and now it's bled into, you know, yeah. certainly 17, there's 18 there's, but you know, yeah, 16 is the epicenter, but it seems like every year, it extends a little bit further to, you know, more of the, more of the grounds, um, for sure. And you, and then you look at live, which is like, that's what they're trying to do in a lot of ways is make it into a party. They have like music blasting and everything. So it's just kind of interesting the future of golf tournaments that are not in like the major category. Like obviously the masters will always be the masters. The majors will always be the majors, but mm -hmm. these other tournaments that are trying to attract attention, it, I mean, to some people, it's kind of off-putting when it's just, you know, show up, get hammered, yell at golfers. Like, I wouldn't really like going to a lot of those tournaments myself, but uh, I don't know. It's just, it'll be interesting to see how the PGA Tour handles this in the future. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think one thing that's so awesome about professional golf tournaments, and I think in this case may ultimately be a detriment to it, is how close you can get to the players. You know, in the the field itself is you know acres, and you have the ropes, but occasionally players have to go outside of the ropes to play a shot. Or if you're up right by a tee box, you can be, you know, uh, arms length or a couple arms length away from players. You can't do that at an NFL game, right? You can't do that. I mean, you can at an NBA game, but you are paying a huge premium. You know, if you're going to go sit courtside at a Lakers game. A, it's going to cost you quite a bit, and B, the first time you act like that or something will be the last time you have that seat, right? So it's it's a different. I you know I wonder what are they going to do because they have to fix something. They know it reached a tipping point. They know it got out of hand. It's a bad look for the PGA Tour. It's a bad look for the Thunderbirds, who you know obviously um, you know oversee so much of the logistics and and all the charitable contributions that come in and for an organization that does a tremendous amount of good. I don't think they want that associated with them from an organizational standpoint, but they do want to embrace what this tournament has become. So what can they do? Cause next year they're going to have to do something. Yeah. And just one more point on this that I don't think people mention a lot. Sports gambling is only becoming more prevalent over time and in, in all sports, but what's to stop someone from, you know, there's so many one versus one, you know, matchup battles that you can pick on DraftKings or whatever. What's to stop someone from going and just yelling in someone's backswing to, you know, to mess somebody up? I mean, I, it's just a very slippery slope. My feeling is that they need to be a little stricter with kicking people out. I know that's a tall, tall order, but especially like there are reports of some influencers out there who are, you know, doing like challenges to mess up the golfers out there like you got to be more stringent i think in trying to kick some people out and make make an example of them and maybe try to you know dissuade people from doing that in the future but it's it is a mess i mean it's especially that tournament and that saturday mm -hmm. they have their their work cut out to try to manage that in the future it's you know it's <clears throat> it reminds me a little bit of a the documentary that i watched on when they kind of tried to redo Lollapalooza 
um, you know, like was it 99, 2000 or whatever in there and some of the music festivals and things. And there is such a fine line between, you know, historic and memorable and fun and, you know, cars getting flipped over and set on fire, you know, and it seems like one's, you know, a long way away from the other, but I don't think that it is. I think that, you know, it, it's this fine line, like you said, when you have Zach Johnson, you know, going and, and having a verbal altercation with, with the fan, what happens when that fan takes a swing? We're not far from that. Like I, that at this point that, you know, you see the behavior that, that would not surprise me. And then you're talking player safety stuff. You're talking moving people further back or, or whatever the case is. They, they absolutely have to have to get a handle on it from, you know, I think just from, from a player safety standpoint, in addition to the, like I said, the competitive balance uh, of, of the event, you don't want outcomes to be, dictated or impacted in that way by you know they're on the 18th fairway middle of the fairway and some guy yells and you know nick taylor's backswing let's say this week or whatever and robs him uh of a great they should have a fair chance to compete against the course and against other players without having to factor in you know uh the fan element but if you're gonna want that type of environment you're going to have to deal with a certain amount of idiocy. So like what percentage of idiocy are you willing to deal with in order to have that deal? And, and I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I, I got a, I got a question for you. Fire. What, just a guess. What percentage of fans do you think that came to the waste management on Saturday were there specifically to watch golf? like would have shown up to watch the tournament if it were any other tournament like they're like they're fans. golf fans like they came because they love golf like they are golf fans 10 percent, maybe that's that's right around where i was maybe 10 15 i think they're i think you probably had my guess let's say you had 10 15 percent they're like core golf fans right you probably had, let's say, another 50% that were like, hey, I like golf. I'll go to a tournament. And if it's a golf tournament like a tailgate or something, great. Then I'm all in. I I enjoy golf. I like it. The tournament, I will do that. But it was as much of a draw as all the extracurriculars, right? And then there was probably, yeah, another 30 40% that didn't know they were at a golf tournament, didn't care they were at a golf tournament. Heard it might be a, a golf tournament of sorts, but never really got to the parts and places on the property where you would see this golf tournament being played. You know, I, I couldn't maybe name more than a handful of players, maybe at all, uh, in the field or whatever. And, you know, that third was probably responsible for 95% of any issues that were out there. I may be totally wrong. That may be, you know, unfair to, to that group, but... If I had to bet, that's where I'd be laying my money down. Yeah, and I don't necessarily mind that the, that we have a tournament like this. I just I don't really want to see golf go a hundred percent in this direction. I, I like that the Phoenix Open is kind of a one-off that is, you know, as a party atmosphere. I don't know if every golf tournament 
should be like that. I think there should be a balance. Yeah, in I, the whole ecosystem. No, I agree. I the concept of the tournament, I love. Like, I love the idea of golf again, letting it tear down a little bit, and being more like a golf event where I might be playing with my buddies and things like that, right? Because because if anything, golf has a reputation, a well earned one, for taking itself far too seriously and being far too elitist and, and, you know, rules without any good reason, you know, you can't wear, you know, you know, can't change your shoes in the parking lot and that kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't want golf to go that way either. I, that version of golf is as deplorable to me as some of the stuff that we saw on, on Saturday. And so, You know, but I love the idea of, you know, listen to Smiley Coffin and, and, and Kisner that were down on 16 announcing it together like Saturday. Like, that was awesome. Like, that's what I want to watch and enjoy. And, and can we just have that, you know, yes. and guys talking at each other and John a little bit and enjoying it and ribbing each other and, and this and that. Yeah. And if you want to have some drinks and have some fun and whatever, that's awesome. Do it. Um, but balance. It should be fun. It should be entertaining, but just overall balance, I think is the, is the key. It's a tough, but it's a tough mix though, as you're saying, it's, it's really, it's a fine line. You don't want to, you don't want to push people away in any form, but you also don't want it to be crazy. No, exactly. All right. Last couple of things here, Sean. I know you're not a huge equipment guy, so I'm just going to spit some equipment stuff. You can just nod and smile or ask me a question. Uh, if you want, and we, we're getting toward the tail end of kind of this first wave of equipment, you know, embargoes. A lot of the big things, again, drivers, uh, et cetera, have come up. But this week, couple from Ping, wearing a Ping hat. This is from my man, Jimmy Hard K, Jim Knaus. Best story on the PGA Tour this week. Colorado School of Mines is where he went to college. Had his college coach on the bag, Coach Kimball. Shout out to Coach Kimball at uh, School of Mines. But it was, it was Jimmy's last PJ Tour event. He Monday qualified. I believe it was a three for one or I don't know, maybe two playoff. Anyway, got the Monday qualifying on a playoff. Makes the cut. Holes out on 18, I think, at the end of the second round on the bunker, like front left of the green. Um, that's not the shot that allowed him to make the cut. However, ends up to go on, makes the cut, finishes, you know, T30th or something like that. Makes four birdies on the back nine, including. His very last stroke on 18 made a birdie putt like seven, eight feet and just a really, really cool story for him and his family. He'll be working with the engineering ping, uh, engineering team, et cetera, at ping uh, moving forward. But for all the Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy's and those stories, the, the Jim Canal stories uh, tend to be my favorite because that's. I can relate to him a lot more than I, if not, not golf wise, not skill wise for sure, but just, you know, cool story. And, you know, he wears Colorado Rockies jersey and, you know, he'll have those memories forever. And, uh, yeah, cool, cool way for him to, him to go out that week. And maybe when he gets his, uh, amateur status back and get him into a memory guest or something, we'll, we'll, We'll see what happens there. But just a couple shout-outs real quick on the equipment front. Uh, Strix on the ZX MK2 Black Chrome Irons. Hit shells on Monday, for those of you who don't know. 
This is a thing that we see in the industry a lot, which is called, how do we keep products exciting and fresh? And so what we do in the industry, it's not specific to Strixon or Titleist or TaylorMade or Callaway or, well, specific to all of them, we make them black. And so this is something we do roughly halfway through cycles to give uh, golfers another choice. We're a little short on details in terms of exactly what the black finish is. People, this is a question we get most of the time is, you know, what finish wears the best? So one piece of advice, if it's a black finish, it's going to wear. It's not going to, it's not going to look as good uh, as other finishes over time. Black does that. Tends to be the case that PVD is my least favorite. Tends to wear the most. DLC, which is the Diamond Light Carbon, that tends to be the most expensive to apply because it is a separate, uh, separate coating and plating. So I doubt uh, the the Strixons didn't look like DLC to me. The other one is a QPQ finish, which is a quench polish quench, where it actually kind of impregnates the color into the steel. Uh, so think maybe more like, um, you know, dying an Easter egg, but something really much more advanced and fancy. Mayura has done that on some of their irons, which I think the QPQ look the best over time. I personally like that look. Chances are most of the time it's some type of a P PVD finish, which again, isn't my favorite, but it's one that we see most frequently. So you can check out those. And then, last but not least, ping wedges coming out this week. We got some S159 wedges, which is interesting because the embargo was Tuesday, but ping was already advertising them on the broadcast on Sunday. Like, it, it kind of made me, there's like a segment brought to you by, you know, ping's S159 wedges. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, can they say that? Sure. I mean, they can. It's do, do what, whatever they want. Um, but, I was like, it just took me a second. Like, usually don't see it on a TV broadcast until it's officially out, but who knows? Anyway, again, we have an article on the uh, website uh, live about those. And if you're interested, here's kind of my top three, four, five things to pay attention to on those. This is Ping's, I'm going to say it's their first time of really having a comprehensive wedge program all in one place and what i mean by that is they've had different things across you know they had ping ping works like the tour shop department where you could get grinds and things that weren't available to the masses and that's where you had to go for more specifics and they might only have two three four grinds available to the public so what they did this time we had all the grinds vast majority of the grinds right here Retail, right there for you. We changed the shaping a little bit, less offset, more of a straight leading edge, which again, I think these are requests that you saw come through the tour department more. Even better players and, and not so good players tend to not like a lot of offset in their wedges. And so they took some of that advice. They took leading edge, made that a little bit straighter. Um, and now there's going to be kind of additional fitting options as well. There's a QR code, which I thought this was really smart. I think you're going to see this more. There's a QR code on the packaging, like on the shrink wrap. So if you're in the store, snap that, and it can take you through some fitting questions and protocols. So again, is that as good as getting fit outside on grass? No, of course not. But it's a lot better than just grabbing something off the rack. Like 
the program's pretty intuitive intuitive it's a super smart way to do it and in true ping fashion they want you to think about performance and i think this part really resonates with me and and, and hopefully with consumers too that with wedges it's not about finding the wedge that spins the most we hear this all like oh more spin more spin more spin to yes spin is control but it's really consistency of spin and can you get that consistency of spin regardless of, or how much does that spin vary when you're hitting it out of different lies? Rough, wet, sand, dry, firm. Obviously the spin and performance is gonna change based on those conditions, but how tight can we get that performance, right? Where it's like, hey, if I'm hitting out a wet, you know, wet rough, how close can I get that performance to dry middle of the fairway 75 degree day in phoenix um so you know to that end hydro pearl finish they kind of talk about in three three phase you have your macro perspective which are the grooves right and then we have things like finishes and then they have kind of this micro milling and and then also a blasted texture um on the face of the wedge as well so anyway we went to way more depth in the article that tony wrote but um it's going to be a challenge for ping in this space just simply because wedges are wedges are a little bit tough um but they got some cool stuff in there man they got some cool stuff so check those things out that's a lot of information that's a lot of information sean thank you for for joining us i like the rowback hoodie um thank you i think Appreciate that's it. that's a phenomenal thing and uh last one what's your favorite part of valentine's day because it is valentine's day What's your favorite part of Valentine's Day? I mean, the candy, honestly. I mean, I usually indulge in at least at least a pound of candy over Valentine's Day. So I couldn't support that more. And the second thing is this episode will come out and I'm here to like make Tony mad. So I think this is a perfect Valentine's Day gift for him. Yep. So I think I think it really works out well. Nothing better than than poking the bear. Well, Sean, thank you for your time. Find Sean Fairholme, people. He's out there. He's on the interwebs. We'll post his little information below. You can find me always at the same places that, that I'm at, at Golf Spy C. Find us, follow us, let us know what we can do to make your day a little bit brighter. And until then, we out.